Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. Well, we have a returning guest, the one and only Pat Duffy, co-founder of The Giving Block. And Pat, welcome back. Also, I'll disclose, we're enjoying our work with you over here at Whole Whale. How's it going? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Your uh, your voice just got a lot smoother when you started the recording. I like that. You know what I realized? If I start in my, and like, you know this after listening, uh, my high-pitched giggle, um, which frankly, I leave in. I could edit it out. Uh, or the more energetic, people have a hard time catching up to speed, but don't worry, it'll come back. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you walk up behind somebody, can't start at full volume, you got to use them in. You just got to ease people into it. I, I think similar, watch this smooth transition as into crypto, you can't have a hard transition. People think it's something foreign, foreign is scary and unknown. And so I like having you on to, you know, kind of go through the world of where we are in crypto philanthropy, uh, what we can expect, and we'll play today a little bit on some devil's advocate, which I have some fiendishly clever, no, not that clever, but very, very worrisome maybe questions that are being discussed at the executive level in boardrooms about whether we make this leap uh, into crypto and accepting crypto donations. So to start, how did 2021 go? Great. Better than uh, better than we expected. So yeah, going into 2021, we had 120 nonprofits. We had raised millions of dollars in the month of December for the first time. It was very exciting for us the platform. Like we had raised about that much our entire history combined. So amazing end of year in 2020. And then beat our end of year in January, starting January 2021, which we found super surprising. I should say we beat in, in Q1, not in January. Um, Q2 beat Q1, Q3 beat Q2, and then Q4 was explosive. The end of year, non-cash asset giving as usual. Um, so we ended up raising about 70 million on the platform, like the crowdfunding component with the, the charities we work with on a contract basis. Um, and then in terms of like DAF partners, the behind the scenes institutional adoption that we've been seeing, like the, the biggest staff that we work with now did almost $400 million in, in crypto donations on this the larger kind of high end but behind the scenes. Um, so we're building out an annual report now trying to figure out what happened last year. We've got the numbers coming together. We're trying to figure out if it was like just over or just under uh, like a billion dollars in total crypto giving from you know this handful of crazy billionaires who are throwing around nine figures and then these big institutional platforms that aren't uh, as out there with their stats, um, but we're pulling all together, but long story short, really big year. So across all platforms you're trying to aggregate or just through your pipes? Yeah, these are like, in general, like when we talk about numbers, there's like, I guess, three different layers. There's outside of us entirely. There's institutional, but using mm-hmm. our pipes and there's crowdfunding. I don't think it's, uh, I think a lot of platforms will like bundle in institutional giving for like charity crowdfunding stuff. And they think that's like a big pie that everyone is getting an equal shot at but it's not really like if a donor connects behind the scenes with a donor bias fund account and sends a hundred million dollars somewhere like that's not the same as like what you can get on a giving tuesday so we like to separate those numbers out so institutional explosive growth but even the crowdfunding piece like the charity contracts which is our, our bread and butter and platforms built on 70 million bucks outpaced our client growth so we went from 120 clients to over 1200 by the end of the year and the average program size still increased despite a, a 10x client base growth I'm really interested in that idea of the distribution across the Mm -hmm. number of nonprofits, because in my mind, we're still in a very much winner-take-all environment, and my instinct is that this is probably an extreme power law, meaning that there are probably some favorites of crypto philanthropists and donors saying, like, I want it all to go to the, the charity waters of our group. And that's where most of the money goes. Is that what's happening? Are you seeing more of a longer tail distribution? No, because of, yeah, the way we do business. I guess there's two main reasons. One is we don't do a donate crypto button. One, we think that's a really silly way to tackle 
uh, a nascent fundraising area. So just passively slap a donate crypto auction on your site and not attack it as a donor demographic. There's just too many donors using this stuff. There's too much money out there. So every client we work with, even on the lowest end, there's some active strategy, um, even if it's just using collective resources. Um, so as a result, just like in general, five-figure programs are the norm, and we're about to have 200 programs that are six-figure plus. So like the answer is no, it's not like all aggregate at the top. However, there are some, like of course, rock star performers, even within that 200 organization list that's six figure plus when you get into the seven the seven figures and you start seeing these programs that are really crushing it at the top that are non-institutional they're like getting this from mostly new donors these are groups that have like a crypto fundraising identity they're they're targeting crypto users throughout the year they're building a crypto specific end of year pillar that bakes into their campaign plan and then they're carrying those donors with them year over year they're not like trying to get a crypto donation and then shut the valve off like they're stewarding Mm -hmm. people in a crypto specific way on an annual basis. And that retention is definitely year over year, um, leading them to kind of ramp their programs really consistently. So if I heard right, what you did last year essentially equates to what you did for the past four years, back of a napkin. Pretty much. Yeah. It, it, it stayed uh, in keeping with that, just in the sense that like it, we didn't see this big uh, tipping point where suddenly the nonprofits that have been with us since 2018 were just breaking it all in and the newbies couldn't get ahead. We've still got, you know, hundreds of nonprofits that just came through right at the end of the year and they're still just getting their feet wet. But any nonprofit that's that's been with us for a year for the most part has a five-figure plus program, like almost universally. And then for the folks that don't, like we work really hard to to make sure that's a, a consistent result. Otherwise you probably shouldn't be fundraising crypto. It would just be a bit of a distraction. Talk to me about the sentiment at a nonprofit, and it's hard to archetype, but one that if I threw, you know, if I threw the dart, I'd hit the the median, uh, not the one making six figures that turned on crypto as a donation vehicle last year mm-hmm. and how seriously they are maybe now taking it or contrary being like, set it and forget it, leave it in the corner. I don't get it. Money showed up. Like, where's the sentiment and understanding of like, hey, there's more money here. Cool. Yeah, it is interesting how nonprofits yet respond to the success. It's almost never the latter, where it's just like, oh, we're getting free money. Perfect. Like, let's not pay attention to that. Usually when you get a new, <laughs> yeah, new revenue source, like when you when you have this new, uh, you know, diversified uh, revenue pillar, you're like, okay, we should probably maybe pay more attention to this. It's usually the opposite. Like that's a big narrative we fight in general, just because every other payment method looks that way, right? Like no one is going to their gala and being like, where are my stock people at? And you've got like a table of people in the back. They're like, yes, like this is so fun. You're taking stocks. We are stock guys. Like it, it's kind of, I think I some, you know, wings over Wall Street from MBA and kind of think of maybe it looks like that, but um, there's no identity. There's no donor demographics, other payment methods. So it's a, uh, you have to like reverse engineer um, how we have that conversation with the nonprofits, kind of build it back up from scratch. So it's usually the opposite. There's a handful, a small sliver of nonprofits who still sign up with us versus other platforms, but they're more like take the headaches out of crypto. Otherwise, they would just go like try to find some Shopify for cryptocurrency and just plug something in more passively. Um, but most of the groups are coming and trying to fundraise crypto actively. Now, what they think that is is usually uh, different from case to case. Sometimes they like try a tweet, nothing happens. They shut it down for a few months and don't pay any attention. Now, when they get to your point, you know, a $10,000, $100,000 crypto donation that comes in out of nowhere, they're usually a little too uh, jacked up and they kind of go in an ebb and flow. They'll spend the whole month trying to like figure out how to tap into crypto users on Reddit and then get frustrated and disappear until the month of December. So um, we're really focused on like that year round consistent like, let's look at how you fundraise. What's the low-hanging fruit? Maybe it's a major gifts program you work on internally. Maybe you have a big Twitter presence. Maybe it's a corporate giving angle for, like, an event series that you have. But um, starting with whatever is most conducive to you being successful, that, that's usually what, what ends up working. Yeah, I mean, given that mass majority of, depends on when you're listening to this, of Americans do not have a crypto wallet or the capacity to give, I'd imagine most strategies revolve probably around more of the high net worth mindset potentially of what it looks like to to consider you know capital level gifts or significant level gifts versus you know donate a dollar don't worry the gas fees are fifty times that yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it's a it's a 
blend. It depends on the organization you are. There are some big institutions, you know, like a, a big university that's in the Bay Area or something um, versus like a, a crowdfunding nonprofit that builds animal shelters and has like a popular YouTube channel. Depending on what kind of a nonprofit you are, you'll see some nonprofits taking the millennial Gen Z traditional fundraising approach, but targeting crypto specifically because they consume a lot of content. They're younger on average. They're, they're energized by that. They're looking for a place to get together and have fun. Um, so there's these young donors, but then you also have like so much wealth held in this handful of hands where they're just hyper incentivized to give this way. And then other folks are just building out like a major gifts uh, packet. And then they're delivering it to these wealth advisors that they've built a network up, uh, you know, over a decade. And then they have this handout that goes to they use every year to make a donation. Now they're like making this crypto option known and they're turning, you know, a $50,000 donation into a $5 million donation a handful of times because they're finding that big hit where this one person has like a hyper tax incentive to give just this way, just this year. Um, so like, it, it really does look totally different from charity to charity. That's like how you fundraise and what your existing program looks like. And then it depends on, um, you know, ROI, like what is the energy going to look like for a nonprofit to figure out Twitter for the first time just to get a crypto donor base? It's like, if that's why you're figuring out Twitter, it's probably not the best place to start. I mean, let's pull on that thread. There seems to be a unique difference between classic donor communications, the typical donor a nonprofit has right now versus the crypto donor, the crypto philanthropist and that mindset. What are the, I'll give you Three points. What are the three differentiating points that you'd say, like, if I were to have, you know, two people hide behind door number one and door number two, and you can only ask them these questions, like, what would those questions be to figure out which one was the mm -hmm. donor? Or what would be the way that you'd be like, those two are very different people for these reasons? How dare you arbitrarily restrict it to three without, <laughs> without having a prepared response there? I'll, I'll see. I'll try to keep it tight. I guess maybe you're, you're trying to insinuate something uh, about the length of answers. Generally speaking, um, you know, there's uh, the demographic pieces, right? They are um, younger, late 20s, early 30s. They are tech savvy. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're financially yeah. literate. They're impact motivated. The Fidelity report came out this past year. If you are a crypto user giving through their DAF or you are a stock investor, uh, crypto users are 50% more likely to give $1,000 or more. Um, so it's dramatic, like they're, they're more impact driven, partially probably because like they're on this cutting edge technology and they're getting a rush out of it. Like these early crypto users especially are kind of attracted to it for a particular reason. And then once it goes mainstream, maybe they'll move on to something else. So you have this innovative, younger tech savvy audience. They use uh, you know Twitter, Reddit, more kind of modern social media and search engine functionality than you would expect. And then on the high end, um, they're probably you know motivated by gains. So like if, if you're trying to, I guess, um, figure out if someone is a crypto user or not a crypto user to your original question, um, and you're trying to ask them a couple questions without asking them if they're into uh, crypto, you'd probably want to know like how deep they are in technology. You'd want to know like how financially literate they are. Like they would know about like index fund investing and other types of investment modules, um, depending on how diversified they are. And then just age is a thing. If you look at 50% of millennial millionaires have a quarter or more of their wealth in crypto already. And I think that's as of uh, 2019 is, is when that MSNBC uh, big survey came out. Uh, that number goes up every year. So if you have a young, uh, wealthy individual who's financially literate and tech savvy, um, a very desirable donor demographic, of course. The the odds are every single year more likely that they are going to be a crypto user. And with almost 300 million crypto users already, um, it's more than large enough now to, to be worthy of tackling. And every year that goes by, it just becomes more incentivized. And from I, the, the demographic is, first off, super helpful to know. And those listening right now, taking notes, being like, oh, I get it. So if I'm segmenting my existing audience, that might be an interesting place to start. I'm now wondering, let's say I'm a, you know, an advocacy organization for X cause. It seems like just if I were to map out between our, in our analogy here of a door number one and door number two, the average donor versus the crypto donor, 
that there is a almost a philosophical that leads to caring about different causes and prioritization of different causes than a traditional donor. And maybe that's unfair because like I'm using the word like average donor that gives across, you know, the spectrum Mm -hmm. from education to animal welfare to, you know, advocacy to gun rights to, you know, these classic pieces. It has seemed to me early on that there are different causes that maybe come to the top of the list or even the framing of what you do at your existing organization that might appeal more to door number one, our crypto donor versus door number two, our classic donor. Yeah. Um, good news and bad news. I guess <laughs> on that question. <laughs> um, the bad news is it's not uh, consistent. I guess there, there's no, as far as we can tell, um, big ideological differences between them because you, you get this blended older crypto users tend to be more uh, libertarian than I guess conservative, but this is just from like basic polling. So you get the, the conservative aspects of conservatism from an economic standpoint, but not on social policies. Um, and then younger folks are, you know, younger folks, they, they have more predictable patterns, but they go across kind of the same areas that are popular across the nonprofit sector. Um, so not like a big, yeah, it's, it would be nice if it was just like just environmental groups are crushing it here. Everyone else like don't pay attention and environmental groups, like it's a must have, like you have to just do that. And we could just like focus our strategies on that and that would be our, our client base. Um, it seems to be general donor behavior to, to go across other, like age seems to be a better indicator than the crypto piece in terms of what they choose. However, in terms of conversion rates based on those organizations, who they end up choosing and actually give to, the biggest differentiator is just like making a space for them. Um, by that, I mean nonprofits who uh, there's a difference between adding a donate crypto option versus uh, saying you have a crypto fundraising program and you're going to set a crypto specific goal. And every $10,000 you give in cryptocurrency builds a house or puts a kid through a clinical trial. And then the graphic on Twitter shows how much crypto users have enabled their nonprofits mission over this year. And this is the page where you can donate crypto and here's our crypto specific milestone toward a crypto specific goal. That's kind of it. It's, it's, you can think about it almost like like culture versus follow culture, which we talk to you know our clients about a lot. Like if you're trying to fundraise when we do our big end of year campaign, like uh, the bag season stuff that we do and crypto giving Tuesday off the giving Tuesday foundation. If you're going out there and you're looking for likes slash looking for donations, um, that's an inferior strategy to looking for follows slash looking for donors, right? People to connect with the mission and find a place where they go. I want to give and I want to see where this thing goes. If you like the cause and you're part of the crypto community, so you're probably super into crypto, it's your culture, it's your life, and you wake up and check your social media, like that's the kind of content you're looking for. Um, People who are into it are very into it. People know that if you have a friend who won't shut up about it. Um, When those two things get merged, uh, donors go, okay, I'll, I'll send a donation to this thing. And I want to be a part of crypto communities impact on this particular cause. And I want to know what people like me are doing to make a change here. And I want to know when we as a community hit a certain milestone. Um, so yeah, just the, the nonprofits who make that space, small, medium, and large, kind of regardless of mission, they have the biggest impact. Um, even when more traditional charities in a different sector seem to be getting traction. It's helpful because I think it can be similar to the way we look at, you know, how credit card processing back in the day made its way onto the internet. And people said, oh, we need is a donate button. And mm-hmm. it's like watching that come in and then mobile, mobile coming over and be like, you have to make sure your, your mobile web experience can, you know what, <laughs> render so that someone can give on a phone. Who would ever give on a phone? That doesn't make sense. And like, oh, wait a minute. Absolutely. Uh, this is uniquely different because you're not just saying, hey, you know, by the way, you need the technology. We're not even at full, near full adoption, to be clear, near full adoption for nonprofits accepting cryptocurrency in safe, reliable ways. But more so, you're saying it has to be paired with the actual ask, the campaign, the, the unique, this is the crypto side of our target versus like, throw it into this giant bucket. Um, it's almost like the community wants to see. And you could imagine even, compete against the fiat be like last year fiat be crypto Mm -hmm. what do you think of that crypto twitter yeah we've been seeing more of that with stocks too 
when they have these kind of Wall Street campaigns because the it's younger crowd stance, are Wall Street. Right? Um, stance. It's, it's pronounced stance. <laughs> Number never go down. Um, that's funny. But yeah, like they're doing these competitions because like these, uh, it's the same. I mean, if you, George, know just because you're, you're into crypto. So like you just into it as a technology. Like it's the same thing with wealth advisors where it's like, uh, they're not getting into crypto. It's like 95% of hedge funds now either have crypto or they're diversifying into it. Banks are like putting capital into a company's treasury management. Like everyone's getting into it, not because they want to, but because like for wealth management, for instance, eventually like grandpa is going to pass away. And the person who gets that money is like exponentially more likely to be diversifying into crypto. And if you're like a wealth advisor and you're not like really up to speed on all the crypto stuff they want to do with that billion dollar pile of money, like you're out, like the capital is moving off platform. So like wealth advisors are scrambling for that base. Um, anyway, back to your, your question though, in short, nonprofits are doing the same thing where they have like these Wall Street type campaigns. A lot of our New York nonprofits, their galas, whatever else it is, but like the younger Wall Street crowd, they're like working on stock related stuff for companies that don't do anything crypto related, but like all of their money and their paycheck is going into like crypto and NFTs. So now they're trying to engage the younger crowd that's coming through these Wall Street specific type initiatives and, you know, campaigns, advisory groups. And they're using crypto as like this incentive to like get those sorts of younger folks onto their boards or engage with their events or just driving in more donation volume. And same thing with universities, right? That's how they set the hook. Every year they're graduating a class of 22 year olds every year. They're obviously dramatically more likely to be throwing their money into crypto and have a big tax incentive to give the appreciated crypto instead of their cash and their stocks. So it's a great way to set a hook and establish like a, a giving relationship. Um, it's very much eyeing toward like, where's the next generation of donors going and are we going to be in a position to you know, be successful? I mean, you were talking about the largest wealth transfer in arguably human history with the you know, the generation of boomers passing on the just incredible consolidation of wealth into this rising generation who you have already identified and based on many a poll are, you know, leveraged in about 25% increasing depending on who, where, and how saying like, yeah, so that is a percentage of my portfolio and there it goes. And part of my giving identity is giving via crypto, which, you know, we talked about on our last podcast has significant tax advantages because uh, you do not have to bring it into a taxable event into fiat and then make the donation. Mm -hmm. You can simply transfer it right then and there, uh, you know, pretty seamlessly. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the whole thing. It's the same reason why non-cash asset giving is so gigantic versus credit cards. If you can give a million dollars in cryptocurrency, right? And then it would have been in the real world worth 700 grand after you pay state and federal cap gains taxes. And it could be worth a million. You can give the full million to a charity and then you can take the million bucks in cash you're going to donate and just buy new Bitcoin or whatever else. Um, you end up with the exact same crypto position, but it's at today's cost basis. You literally know or owe no taxes. So there you got your million dollar write-off and you just erased 300 grand in capital gains taxes. If you try to tell that person to not give that way, it's pretty hard to, to earn their business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to touch on something that might be a, a, a touch more esoteric, but I see quite a bit in the crypto space, uh, the rise of uh, decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs, and various NFT projects, non-fungible tokens, and in that ecosystem, it seems like one of the new marketing mechanisms, the, the gimmick to buy in, gimmick, reason, motivation, is in part X amount of money is going to go to charity. What is your thought on, one, from the perspective of a nonprofit, how do, how do I get some of that, please? And mm -hmm. two, how does Giving Block potentially pay into this, broker these relationships, and, and work in this sphere? Yeah, NFTs and, and DAOs were like a big growth area for us last year. NFTs in particular, um, just to explain if people were donating crypto from NFT proceeds, like 95% of the time. So we called it like NFT related fundraising. It's coming from NFT creators, projects, platforms, artists, et cetera. Um, all crypto, but like millions of dollars a month now and donation volume from the NFT community, which is super cool. And then DAOs are a, a bit of a rising star as well. There's two angles on this. There's nonprofits 
creating DAOs, which they're starting to do a little bit, we end up as a, a firm being more of the fun police than like the the unlocker of dreams, which I know is not fun to hear if you're like just getting into crypto and you want to go deep for six months. Um, yeah, like uh, one interesting one that's being explored is, uh, I guess, WaterAid, uh, Sarah over there, who's electric. She's done a lot of really innovative crypto fundraising stuff. So shout out to her. But she's she wants to start one called System of a DAO, which is hilarious and like incredibly thoughtful um, the way she has it put together. But yeah, in, in short, it's pretty much like, um, you know, there's this contractual element where people can participate in the system. They all kind of get a say in where it goes and what it does. Like there's a, a system of governance that's more democratic. Um, and then the capital that goes into these systems can be distributed outward in a predetermined way, say, to a, a nonprofit. Uh, the way we work with them is a lot less complicated than I think people think. They just pretty much need a, you know, a wallet address for the end recipient that they can build into their contract. And then in that case, it would be a nonprofit. So they tend to come to us to tell us what sort of thing they're into. You know, we're into the environment or we're into social impact, whatever it might be. Like, walk us through these different nonprofits on your platform or let us use one of your index funds slash cost funds to like build kind of a bundle that we can send one transaction to. And they just hook it up to the contracts at the end and that's where the uh, the crypto ends up. I'm wondering what phase two of this looks like. If you follow me that when early stage, you know, web one to web two nonprofits, mm-hmm. the sector in general was like, how do I get a donate button on this? And then how do I get money, money, money from this? And then they realized, oh, wow, we can create things like, I don't know, donors choose and connect classrooms in innovative ways. And Kiva, you know, uh, a well-known darling of uh, just how you can deploy microfinance uh, in incredible ways across the world. How, how long do you think it'll be before we realize that this is more than just another donate button for the sector? I think we're more or less getting there. It's funny at the high end of the sector, it's already kind of uh, a done deal. Like we're, we're getting close to a hundred organizations. This is faith-based organizations, universities, charities, healthcare networks, like any 501c3. Um, We're, we're about to pass a hundred groups that are nine figures plus like, some 10 figure organizations. So like the big players are tapping into this pretty effectively, but they have big teams, right? They have innovation budgets. They, they get to things first usually, um, but they're really doubling down. Like we've seen St. Jude, Save the Children, American Cancer Society, United Way Worldwide. Like these are all organizations that came to us after having fundraised crypto on their own for a multi-year period for the most part. And they're like, let's build a program now rather than have a button. Um, they kind of set the pace of play and because they're leading and building like pretty serious programs and getting donations from notable people and companies and partnerships, that's a, a big driver. Um, but ultimately, like, I, I think a lot of this is going to come down to the degree to which non cash asset giving becomes popularized across the actual software solution. So like a lot of nonprofits getting trapped because of the integrations they end up with, like, will not name names, but there are some platforms that have, you know, they'll take like a BitPay or like, you know, any equivalent Shopify for cryptocurrency and they'll just like plug it into a donation gateway. And of course it wreaks havoc. The average crypto donation is $11,000 on our platform. The average credit card donation is like usually 110 bucks, 120, whatever report you look at, 128 maybe was the most recent one. Um, like don't send those people through the same process, obviously. We get nonprofits asking us all the time, like let's set up a monthly giving option. It's like, no. Are you talking about so why would you you want 20 bucks a month if you want eleven thousand dollars like this is a tax offset opportunity these people need to be treated differently so i i think unfortunately a lot of charities will interface with crypto for the first time through like a non-crypto specific um or crypto philanthropy specific um process which is a bummer because they're like we put this on our site for a year nothing happened i guess crypto is stupid it's like well no not necessarily There's trillions of dollars in it people are doing all right um, so that'll have to happen. So ultimately the, the service providers will need some sort of like, you know, a strike equivalent emergence of crypto becoming a normalized part of that process. Um, and then that process is obviously going to have to accommodate that new donation method effectively. So people coming in and picking, say their donation method first, and then being stewarded differently instead of having them go through a traditional donation 
process and then picking a donation method at the end, regardless of the tax implications or their their underlying reason to pick whatever that payment method might be. I think we'll we'll hopefully invert as non-cash asset giving becomes easier to do and then therefore more popularized because it's in I mean, you know this, but the math works out. If it's just as easy to send crypto or stocks, there would literally be no cash giving. It's it's a silly thing to do. It's as crazy as like buying. Yeah, you gotta pull out of the asset, more. experience the uh the, the yeah. tax event and then make the move. Um, yeah, you got to eat yeah, a, a big bill for no reason every time you you don't donate non-cash assets. So it's up to the industry to to make that process available to donors and education um, is important as well. I personally only donate in grain silos. Yeah, it, large, uh, a silo of corn. Commo- hard commodities. Um, Shout out to, to Renaissance Charitable, making it easy for all the crazy non-cash assets out there. I want to just reiterate this really quickly because one of my agenda points here was trying to separate the way you talk to, the way you experience, the way you strategize around a fiat donor versus a crypto donor. And I think you isolated it in that one statement. I just want to make sure it doesn't get lost, wherein you're saying that if it's just the one page, donate everything you want here, one of the things you've done is anchor them to an incredibly low price of like, hey, we're looking for $100. You're not. You're looking for world-changing amounts of freaking money to do your job. Now, let's talk about what you can get. And you want that experience on a crypto-focused narrative page layout setup, which you know is evolving and has to be customized to your message, what you're trying to achieve, blended over with what you know and can discern about what that Venn diagram in the crypto mindset is. Yeah. That's it. We we are at the fun police for the most part. We get so many charities that come and pump and we just kill their dreams. They want to sign up with us because they want to do like, they'll see like our NFT drop with Sotheby's or something. And they're like, let's do an NFT drop. And I'm like, we have to search engine optimize your page for crypto. <laughs> like, nah. But where's my punk? Where's my punk? <laughs> what like, if every down. punk yeah. just gave us their punk? Like that. Great idea. Excellent idea. <laughs> what yeah, if? It's very You're sad. a dream killer. You really are dream killers. Yeah. We were coming with like jazz hands in 2018. We were, we were all jacked up and they were like, yes. Like no one was buying in. So we were like, we'll do anything. And like when they wanted to do crazy <laughs> stuff, we're like, let's do it. Let's do it all right now. Yeah, like, good that job. was so much more. Yeah. It was way more um, fun and exciting and, and dramatically less effective. Um, but yeah, you you nailed it. Like the the user experience all the way down to like that call to action. And like that call to action has a link to it, which is a donate crypto specific page with a description that actually works for that person and the thumbnail that applies to them. And it's like, okay, now that image is drawing the eye when you get there. Like there's actual language around the tax portion of this and the FAQs necessary to create a conversion. And then they have the resources they need if they want to give something that's not in whatever your solution is. So they have that roundabout way to send that like low and mid cap crypto. And it all feels seamless and actually gets done. Like there's just a lot of volume trapped in a very complicated process that I wish we could put on a bumper sticker. Um, but thank you for drawing attention to that and helping all right. me elucidate We're gonna, it. I have one more uh, question. No, I have a couple, two more questions. One, donating yeah. F8, uh, NFTs. That's a thing now? We can donate NFTs? A little bit. So nonprofits. They have to be this tall to ride the ride or not yeah. a scam to ride the ride? What? Oh yeah, it's the the scam part is actually not that big of a concern. Um, like NFTs and crypto, this is a big misconception. Of crypto also, like there's 10x less illicit activity per capita in crypto than traditional finance. So like the media loves crypto scams more than regular scams because it's it's got a Bitcoin logo and it's just a little bit more fun. Um, but it's just it's dramatically less likely to happen in crypto than elsewhere. It just feels a little bit scarier and crazier. Um, so anyway, the NFT piece, yeah, we haven't had any concerns on that front of crypto or NFTs, but we do have a lot of donors and nonprofits who don't know the best way to give. So like we get nonprofits going to donors or platforms, like asking them for some NFTs. And then the platform will be like, oh, okay. We can talk to an artist. We can like mint some, I guess, on behalf of the charity. It's like, and then we'll sell them on the platform. And then you guys would have the crypto proceeds. They're like, oh, I thought we could have them. And then we could do like a nft gallery and they're like oh i guess you i guess you could do that and then we have to come in and we're like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) where did you get the money yeah it's it's not even that it's just like they have a good 
like it's not that it's a bad idea. It's just that when it comes to NFT philanthropy, there are an infinite number of ways that it could go. And the, again, 95% of that is the beginning ends up with a crypto transaction to a charity at the end of what is an NFT drop that happens on a platform that already exists or not being minted by the charity, but the artists instead. And then the proceeds come through in crypto because that's what people are purchasing them with. And then that pool of funds goes to the charity and it's all happening as a result of this amazing NFT movement. But it's not like a bunch of NFTs are being given to a charity and then the charity is like holding them and creating galleries or uh, like auctioning them off individually from an account that the charity owns mm-hmm. and like they're hooking up their own MetaMask wallet to, to you know, OpenSea or whatever else it might be. Um, NFT philanthropy for the most part is the platforms where they go just like a crypto exchange you work with instead of like Gemini Gives Day or whatever, just be a platform wanting to do like our NF Tuesday we did this past year where they'll do a drop on behalf of different charities or a philanthropic movement or artists will all throw in as a part of a collaborative and be like all of our fees on this day, like we're sending them all to this charity that we all love or whatever it might be. Most of that's actually getting to the charity via crypto, but like the driving force and the impetus is NFTs. However, when an NFT is hyper appreciated in the hands of one individual and they bought it for a thousand bucks and now it's worth a million, and they're like, I want to give this to a charity directly. And if I sell it, it'll trigger a taxable event. Then you have to take that. But there's no reason that the charities individually need uh, a specific solution to process that in-house. We use pretty much, uh, we have one donor advised fund partner that we've created a system for them to be able to process. And they just master that exact scenario of like how to process that. So it's not like every nonprofit that we work with, you know, we need 1300 nonprofits to develop a new set of headspace to like process these sorts of donations and answer those types of questions. Um, eventually, if it becomes so common that people are coming through the interface and wanting to throw an NFT at a charity very consistently, mm-hmm. then we'll have to update the solution and then also update FAQs and then also update the way the charities fundraise. And when they call for crypto, maybe they're calling for crypto and NFTs or they're creating separate goals and standards. So like that could be on the horizon, but it's not there yet. NFTs are driving millions of dollars every month in crypto philanthropy. Um, so it's just a, an important distinction. Eventually, there might be a lot of direct NFT transfers, but still very small. Thanks for parsing through that. And I mean, I love the details. Um, alrighty, I want to move into a little a little devil's advocate of there are holdouts. There are quite a number of holdouts, whether intentionally or simply too busy. I want to just go through what might be in the back of the mind of an executive or a fundraising director right now. Who's like, you know, we got to wait on this thing. I heard it's this, this, this. Are you ready? And you're responding, you you know, respond as you need to. Uh, Clearly, it's been seen that proof of work, I read it somewhere in a paper, is incredibly taxing on the environment. It is basically a small country, an order of operation. I heard one NFT is like the amount of energy it takes for an American in a given month. That seems... Like if we're going to participate in this, that it actually is 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 hurting the environment and maybe even a cause that we're adjacent to. What say you? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just like a logical fallacy, I guess. It, it's interesting, um, and proof of work needs to get more efficient. But it's just it's a multivariate thing. Like you would look at in general. So if you like want to know how bad is money for the environment, you'd have to think about all the environmental costs of money. Right. Like, like, what is the alternative? So first of all, you have to like weigh them against each other. It's very, we always say it's very similar. Like when a Tesla hits a woman on a bicycle, especially like in the early days, people were like, we got to stop making these things. And it's like, this, shouldn't we take 10,000 driving hours of a Tesla and then take 10,000 driving hours of human beings and see if it's either more efficient already? If so, then we should only be making them. And if it's not as efficient, let's figure out like, what is the timeline for it to become more efficient? Right we should think long-term about like what that would actually look like rather than just saying if there's ever risk with a technology, then that means we shouldn't have it. Um, in short, is cryptocurrency that uses proof of work more taxing on the environment than the traditional financial system? I would say no. And if you make an argument that it is more taxing, like on a per transaction basis, than the traditional financial system, it's so close. So as to make it pretty arbitrary to say that like you shouldn't send crypto to an environmental charity, but you should send dollars, despite the fact that you have like an infinite series of skyscrapers with air conditioning and millions of cars commuting to and from locations and burning billions of credit cards that end up in landfills and 
the loan offices, you can go all across it. So like the, the infrastructural component, how much energy it uses needs to become more efficient for sure. But if you compare it to alternative ways to send money to a nonprofit, to say that it's worse would be like a pretty close call. And if you can like ethically stomach using dollars, despite like the burden that they do on the economy, then it'd be pretty ludicrous to say that like a single transaction of sending a hundred thousand dollars to like an environmental nonprofit because crypto isn't as efficient as it should be means like I'm not going to send that money to the nonprofit. It's just a cost benefit analysis. If you're sending, I guess, like five cents or something to an environmental nonprofit over and over and over again, maybe not, you're probably doing a net negative, but for like nonprofits that fundraise it, it's just like, is the value of the money that you're getting from the crypto you receive versus the environmental impact of a single transaction worth it? And you'd have to be pretty silly to say it's not at almost any level other than like a, a micro-donation. I think there's part of the the math, which I've seen, speaking as my devil's advocate here, that is certainly you can math it both ways uh, in terms of the whataboutism of, well, what about fiat? What about this Zoom call that you happen to use on Tuesday? What about, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know the plane you had to fly in order to get to that last meeting? There are trade-offs and we have to Correct. make them and it's a complex world. However, is it also a problem that a predominant narrative with fiat donors and supporters potentially is that if crypto then bad for the environment for whatever reasons, is there an emotional threat to my organization by simply having crypto messaging coming from my main account? Because guess what? Who's going to see it? Um, Does the upside negate the potential emotional risk? Yeah, It's it's a choice that folks have to make like whether or not being right is worth the argument. Um, it depends. It's our fastest growing charity demographic, for sure. Environmental groups are just giving crypto users and companies the opportunity to more or less you know, offset the environmental impact. Another big confusing variable is like not using crypto doesn't make it less taxing on the environment. The amount of energy it takes is to reconcile a block. It's not for an individual transaction. That's why all the math is always wrong. So like not throwing another transaction into that block or taking your, you know, throwing another one in doesn't change it. The, the bigger the network becomes, the more people using any cryptocurrency, the more efficient it becomes because you're processing using the same amount of energy, a larger number of, so it's, anyway, it's just a, a misconception. So a lot of environmental nonprofits just recognize that to not accept cryptocurrency doesn't help the environment. And by accepting cryptocurrency, that means crypto ends up in your hands, which you use for environmental purposes, which is obviously a net positive. So like, if you care about what is true, then they accept it. But uh, you're right in the sense that like, is it worth like a PR issue? Or is it worth having this argument, even if we are right? Like, could it, could it hurt our credibility? Do, is it worth the energy of having to explain to everyone how this actually works? Some people say no. Um, it's still definitely our fastest growing demo because enough environmental organizations are like, on a per transaction basis, this is clearly a, a net positive to which we say, Come on in, you know, mm-hmm. the water's warm. Is there any fear, warranted, unwarranted, around guilt by association with potentially what uh, accepting a token that then gets revealed to be a scam, a rug pull, or something like that? Well, this charity was accepting this and like, wait a minute, if our if our door is open, anything can wander in and suddenly you know, you know, Vitalik is sending me a whole bunch of dog coin that, by the way, yeah. is is doing whatever it's going to do. Yeah, it's it's not a threat depending on how you set it up. So like uh, a really important thing we touched on earlier, which we should probably dig into a bit more, is the way we set up every nonprofit is with an exchange account with like the most careful exchange in the U.S. So like the the actual interface you're using on your site and the direct donations you accept in cryptocurrencies is a reduced list of the top cryptos that account for about 95% of crypto donation volume. And then there is that 5% out there. There are seven figure plus donations that happen in these small and mid cap cryptocurrencies um, that do require more due diligence and kind of a lookout. Um, So if you set up an account with like us, or if you even go directly to like a very careful exchange and you have that limited selection, then what happens are these one-off scenarios where if a, uh, a donor, a community, of donors that are like building some new token or project come to you and they want to transfer 
a bunch of tokens to you that are not listed on your exchange, then what you need to do is like have a partner like ourselves and then like the, the folks who we refer to as experts to pretty much determine like, is this a new token worth quote unquote listing? It won't actually change the product, but should we accept it through, you know, our, our third party um, DAF partner who can process complex crypto assets? And if the, you know, in triangulation, we all agree, it's like, this is still like a top 100 cryptocurrency that doesn't appear to be listed just because it's not a priority from a volume standpoint, but it's not high risk, then you would take it. Um, and then if not, then it would be because like we or the exchange or, or one of our partners would red flag it for some reason and recommend against it. Uh, but nonprofits shouldn't be making that decision in general. It's just like, would you accept a stock? It's like, that's an S&P 500 type question. That's a NASDAQ question. It's not like up to you to determine if the stock is legitimately representative of a company. Um, like that should be done by legal and compliance folks. All right. You'll have to follow me on this one. Uh, okay. <laughs> what is the danger of uh, saying and maybe putting out to the community, uh, we accept Bitcoin, which would be a natural message, and an average fiat donor coming in being like, that's so elitist. They only accept $37,000 donations because that's the price of Bitcoin right now. They only accept these like large units of, of money. That doesn't happen. That's never been a thought. How dare you? Are you? What you're really asking is like, some nonprofits don't know that Bitcoin is divisible, but you're not actually worried that a donor would be mad at the nonprofit because they think Bitcoin's not divisible and they're calling them elitist. Do you think that's actually? There's a bucket of second order effects. And one of them <laughs> might be. And one of if you believe that no, if you believe in a poll that everyone realizes that actually this is a fractional currency system um, divided uh -huh. on the blockchain, like you're going to miss some people. Um, yeah. But the the overall joke aside, narrative saying like, is this mean like, oh, you don't need my money because you're now this you know crypto accepting elitist or libertarian type of institution? No, that's not a thing. You could have a donor who doesn't like cryptocurrency. But I think those people are relatively rare. You get a lot of people going, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like early days of the internet where they're like, what about the the Google? You know, you get some of that kind of, but there's, I don't think there's a lot of anti-crypto people. You get policymakers who are, who are paid to be more or less just because they represent different interests, but there aren't a whole lot of individuals who are like against what it might be other than of course the, the environmental component, which is an unfortunate misconception, which is mostly funded of course, by third parties who benefit by that not being a thing. Some being within our own, which we're obviously aware of. There are some cryptocurrencies that don't use proof of work who love funding those sorts of hit pieces and research papers because um, it's you know politically convenient. But no, in terms of the fact that, to answer your first point, like crypto is divisible. You can send a dollar in Bitcoin anywhere in the world in a couple of seconds, if not you know a couple of minutes. And you can also send a billion dollars anywhere in the world, a couple of seconds, if not a couple of minutes. It's kind of what makes it awesome or one of many things. I don't imagine there are a whole lot of donors who will get mad because you accept something that has a high unit value. I think it'd be similar like if they went to send stocks, they saw that Tesla was an option. They were like, that's a very high share price. I guess they don't need my money. It's like, well, I mean, that's just a stock that exists. I don't, I don't know if your caricature exists, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's a bad question. It shouldn't have made it to the podcast. <laughs> Leave it in. Not editing it out. <laughs> You have an open wallet address. There's basically the ability for anyone to send money into it or to send whatever it wants at, a, nope. at an address as a nonprofit. No? Nope. Not the way we do it. Nope. It's a great question. So that's that's the difference that. then. So if yeah. you just had an open wallet, anyone could send you absolutely anything. And by the way, it would be public. They could see every transaction that ever went into and out of that wallet, which is also why people get confused. They think crypto is like dark web money. That's because it was in the early days, not because it's hard to track, but because no one was tracking it because there were like 80 guys in their basements, you know, trying to like buy missiles and just like, that's all that was going on. For like a there was drug buying as well. Was there's some, there's some I, 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 I made it more extreme as a bit. It was mostly, yeah. People buying like mushrooms. Um, so anyway, it was a great form of money to use when no one's tracking it because it's a completely verifiable financial system that works perfectly. So you can exactly know like when money gets from position A to position B. You don't need any banks or intermediaries. Great way to sell drugs online until people start tracking it 
And then you realize it's an immutable ledger and not one Bitcoin transaction has ever been changed since the origin of the technology. Literally not one book cooked. So that means like the, the DEA quote or whatever. They're like, we love catching people with crypto. It's like, when you find them with cash, you find their funds. When you find them with crypto, you find their books. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> if you find someone with a crypto, you can see literally every transaction that's ever gone into or out of it. So if you are a public-facing institution and you're looking for radical transparency, you can pop one of the wallets off of our system, make it public, run a fundraiser, and then have a report and an analysis on it. And everyone can see in a completely verifiable, unchangeable immutable record exactly what went down that's a fun little experiment for your general fundraising needs especially if you're say a religious institution or you know whatever it might be and you're more private with your financial record keeping you want to use dynamic wallet addresses that generate a new one for each donor which is our default system pat you've done an excellent job answering my questions from the the rational to the ridiculous well done again uh, i think we all have to deal with you know some of the realities and some of the perceived realities. You did a good job narrating that. Thanks for spending a ton of time explaining all of this. How do people find you? How do people help you? Yeah, finding us, uh, thegivingblock.com. If you're curious about crypto and you want to just like drill somebody with questions from this podcast, write them all down and then just grab a time. You just click book a demo, um, <laughs> click accept crypto and book a demo is the first option and just like get a demo of what it looks like to accept crypto and just berate one of our, are, are fine account executives. Um, if you have like a one-off support question, let's say you're a nonprofit already accepting crypto, even if you don't use us, just support at thegivenblock.com. Just shoot over a note. If you have a question about something, you're operating a wallet that you open with like Craig and accounting, you're like, this is a disaster. You can start there. Hopefully we can be helpful. Um, and then how you can help us if you are a nonprofit services company and you want a crypto auction or API is electric. You can plug it in, makes it really easy, and then just leverage our support networks. You don't have to turn everyone on your team into a crypto expert, which is obviously not the top priority. Um, and if you are a uh, nonprofit crypto user, anyone else who wants to partner with us, do something outside of using our solution that involves crypto philanthropy, journalists, et cetera, just hit us up. We'll get you whatever data we can or collaborate on a, a fundraiser together, whatever it might be, we're, we're down to do it. Pat, we're rooting for your success. We love how you are turning so much cryptocurrency into social impact. Best of luck this year. Thanks so much. Good luck to you, George. You're another good year. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 